Welcome into the WCIA 3-in-1 podcast. Marley Weirda joining you from our podcast studio here at the station. Brett Barons joining us remotely after a long trip to Penn State and back. And Brett, I can only imagine you're very tired after this one as Illinois knocks off number seven Penn State in a game that goes to nine overtime periods, setting a college football FBS record for the longest game ever. Brett, I was out of my seat watching this game. I can only imagine what it was like to be there. Can you give us a sense of just the magnitude of this game and just the the back and forth that it was there in, in overtime? Yeah, it was a lot of shock from Nittany Nation and their fans thinking, how did we get in this predicament that we're tied with Illinois at 10-10 in, in a game that really wasn't all that great, to be honest with you. I mean, yes, it was back and forth, but neither team, you know, really did anything spectacular other than Illinois just controlling the tempo and running the ball and giving itself a chance late. And that's what they were able to do and hang around. And when you hang around, you never know what's going to happen. And so, yeah, it's it was uh, quite the shock for a lot of people there and a great stadium. I really enjoyed Beaver Stadium in Happy Valley. People very friendly there. And I think it lived up to its name. Penn State did not live up to its ranking, though, Marley, as Illinois able to take down the seventh ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. And this is a significant victory for Illinois to come and get that first marquee win for Brett Bielema. And I've been trying to put it in perspective on the flight back. You know, we were live yesterday at the six o'clock and then I was trying to get out of Happy Valley there and we're a little late on the podcast here because then you had to go to basketball and just a lot going on on a Saturday and it took me a while to just kind of even comprehend of, of what it was I mean nine overtime it was just incredible I was just trying to keep up on the sideline because they were switching sides of the field and we had to go back and forth and they were moving pretty quick there I don't know how it looked on TV but it felt like they were moving very very fast and getting those two-point conversions once it got to that it was like bang bang now they're down to the other side and here we go back and forth and so it was kind of a lot to all process and take in on on the sideline and you know the, it was loud it, Penn State picked uh, to defend its what would have been uh, south side of the field because that's where all the students were and that place was rocking I'm not gonna lie even though it was an announced crowd of 105 I would say probably 85 to 90 there more realistic but that's still a lot of people and uh, Illinois found a way to get it done and they deserve a ton of credit for that yeah absolutely Brett I know you've been covering this team for a long time do you think this one ranks as one of the most memorable of of your career because in my eyes, I don't even think I've seen a college football game go to this, uh, like the two-point conversion battle after what the fourth overtime it was. Um, I mean, I mean, is this one of the most memorable games that you've ever seen? No doubt about it. And the new rules certainly help getting us to this point, right, of nine overtimes. If it would have been the old rules, and the rule just changed this year to go to this two-point conversion. And so if it would have been the old rules, you know, maybe it doesn't get to nine overtimes or whatever. But I will say it was a little frantic at times. And I asked the players and uh, Brett Bielema after the game how they tried to stay in the moment and just stay, you know, poised while, you know, you're trying to think, OK, well, like this could end the game. And there were so many points where it's like this could end the game. This is it, you know, and then they would fail or they would both score like they did, you know, they're in the eighth overtime and then Illinois 
puts up in the ninth overtime and then the defense hold, you know, it's just like that that's it, you know? And after a while, it was just like, I don't want to say ridiculous, but you just started going like, is this going to end? And, and more importantly, <laughs> how is this going to end? You know, sure. because we've come this far and we've gotten to nine overtimes and you felt like Illinois was so close on a couple of those. And, uh, and yet they were able to pull it out in the end. And it's certainly significant you know, I've been covering this team since 2013 was my first year and certainly not as long as other people on the beat, but you can't think of a, a game quite like this and it's never happened in college football, right? So we can't say that there's, there's been anything quite like this with, with nine overtimes, but um, very back and forth. And the more Illinois hung around, the more you just felt like they might actually do this thing. And it goes to show that in every Saturday, uh, even if you're a 24 and a half point underdog like Illinois is, that's why they play the games. And so credit to Illinois for that. But uh, yeah, you know, you, you think up there with the Wisconsin in 2019 and Michigan State in 2019 when they clinched a bull berth at Michigan State and came back from 20 plus down in the second half to win. This one's right up there with it. It's, uh, it's it was pretty cool and to be there in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And it reminds me a little bit of like the soccer penalty shoot off a little bit when it gets to that point yep. in soccer. I know you're not a yeah. big soccer fan, Brett, but that's kind of <laughs> what it <laughs> reminded me of a little bit. Let's maybe rewind a little bit. I think the overtimes were a really big focal point and definitely the biggest storyline of the game here. Um, but let's look at it holistically. Um, for Illinois, we know that they're run game has been strong all season, maybe with the exception of that Wisconsin game where they were a little bit out of character or maybe just going against, you know, a really good Wisconsin run defense, but they, I thought they were outstanding um, on Saturday, Brett. I don't know what the sense, what kind of sense you got um, from them there, but I think, you know, Chase, Chase Brown and, and Josh McCray really have been carrying this team on their backs. No doubt about it. And without, Chase Brown without Josh McRae, there's no way Illinois wins this game. I mean, they completely dominated running the ball. 357 yards to just 62. I mean, think Penn State rushed for just 62 yards. That's incredible. And if Illinois is able to rush for 5.3 yards per carry, they're going to do a lot of really, really good things. And, the you know, I was just so impressed. And I think they deserve so much credit. And the offensive line deserves so much credit for what they were able to do and open up those holes. And it wasn't just – and certainly the average per rush speaks to this at 5.3, but it was all the chunk plays that really stood out to me. It was eight yards, and then it was 12, and then there was a 24 in there, and then there's a 14-yard pickup in there. And they just gashed their way through this Penn State defense – and especially at the point of attack in the line of scrimmage. And I think they deserve so much credit for that. And this team has shown that it's not a passing team. I mean, they passed for 38 yards in the game, yeah. right? But they didn't need to pass the ball. Just run it, run it, run it. And that's what Brett Bielema wants to do. And he showed that he imposed his will. And the Illini were able to impose their will on the seventh ranked team in the country on the road. And that is just incredible to me for where this team is at. And in the wins, they've that's what they've shown that they can do. And I think that's the bread and butter of this team. And that's what they need to continue to do here uh, in their remaining games is go out and stick to what they do. And they, they got away from that at Wisconsin. And I don't, I will be interesting to, to talk, you know, with Tony Peterson on Monday 
about the, that, you know, Hey, at Wisconsin, you decided to throw the ball, which I d- disagreed with. I thought you still had to go out and do what you needed to do. Sure. You know, And then here against the number one scoring defense in the big 10 in Penn state, they went out and just said, Hey, we're going to do what we're going to do. And I, I just appreciated that from Illinois. I thought Tony Peterson called a really, really good game. And he just had nothing to fear or lose in a sense, you know, and, and I just felt like he was going to stick to what he wanted to do. And I felt like that deserves uh, so much needed applause from that because instead of trying to adjust to the defense or, Hey, you know, Wisconsin's runs defense is really good. And it is no doubt about it. They were the number one ranked run rush defense in the country, but you know, Illinois is not a passing team and they got away from that. And against Penn state, they just said, we're going to run the ball. And they went out and did it. And uh, that was pretty cool to see from that. The other thing that stood out to me was just the turnovers. Illinois loses the turnover battle three, nothing and still is able to win a game on the road. Yeah, And (laughs) that is incredible. I mean, you just don't see that ever really. I mean, maybe in high school football, you can get away with that Uh, college less and the pros certainly almost never, but like, they they gave Penn State so many chances to win the game, and Penn State just gave it right back to Illinois. And, you know, it's just baffling when you start to think about all of this and, and how it pieces together, and, and it all adds up to an Illinois win. Yeah, for sure. And a big part, like you mentioned, Brett, I think has to do with this defense. I mentioned, you know, Chase Brown and, and Josh McCray carrying the team on their backs, but I think they were standing on the shoulders of their defense because if Illinois doesn't make those big stops, I, I don't think they were in in this game at all. And to think they essentially almost won this game without a quarterback. I mean, besides the one Brandon Peters play at the end for the two-point conversion to win it, like, you know, Art Sikowski was just a, a minimal part of this game, and I think the, the defense deserves a ton of credit for what they were able to do and holding Penn state to, you know, 154 yards receiving. And as you mentioned earlier, Brett, 62 yards rushing and um, those big stops that came at, at critical moments and, you know, to keep that one tied up at, at 10 and send that one into overtime. And of course the battle in, in that when we saw the two point conversion battle, I, Illinois had to put so much trust in their defense because it was kind of a, a one play, one chance type of thing. And, you know, really, I think this defense ended up winning it for Illinois. You know, everyone wants to talk about Brandon Peters throwing it to, to Casey Washington, but I really think it, the defense shined the most. Yeah, other than the running backs and the offensive line, the defense was right up there with me and, and how they won this game. And, and Bielema said afterwards, it's not just one guy necessarily. I mean, you lose Jake Hansen, you know, your two starting linebackers are out because you, you've already lost Calvin Hart, you know, and so their two inside linebackers are gone for the starters are gone for the year. And yet here's Tariq Barnes and Kalon Tolson both pitching in big time. And it, it was just like a combination effort. There wasn't, excuse me, necessarily one star or one standout, you know, a guy with 14 tackles. I mean, nobody had more than seven and three guys had six, you know, between Tony Adams, Devin Witherspoon and Kalon Tolson, Tariq Barnes led the team with seven, but you know, you add in uh, six tackles for loss in there. You add in a couple of sacks, a couple of pass breakups, QB hurries. And now all of a sudden you got a recipe for success. And, and absolutely. I mean, this Penn state offense was no slouch. And uh, to me, I really thought Sean Clifford wasn't going to play because I felt like Mm -hmm. Penn State 
was confident in enough in itself. And there's no reason to believe that they wouldn't have been confident, you know, for what they've been able to show this year. But I thought Penn State was going to be confident in enough of itself that they didn't they, they didn't feel like they needed Sean Clifford to play to win, especially at home. With Ohio State coming next week, I was a little surprised that he was in there and he did not look comfortable being on the field. And, and anytime he got out of the pocket, he was not the same Sean Clifford that I've seen, you know, this year or previously. He did not even look like he wanted to really be there or be in those games and, and be in that moment. And, uh, you know, you could tell he was hurting with whatever his injury is. And, you know, Illinois took advantage of that and credit Illinois for that. Um, but the, the scrambling and the getting out of the pocket uh, really forced Sean Clifford and, into making some key plays and the Illinois defense was able to step up and, and make those, especially late. You know, I think about the Devin Witherspoon, the sack, and then the um, tackle for loss that he had in the QB hurry, you know, and back-to-back plays there in the fourth quarter where Devin really stepped up big and, and yeah, the defense, especially down the stretch there, fourth quarter where, you know, Penn state didn't score, you know, they missed the field goal, you know, they, they were up 10, nothing, you know, and when you start to process that and think about it, that this was a 10, nothing game in the first half. And yet Illinois finds a way to claw back and tie it up at 10 and, and Penn state misses the field goal in the second half, Illinois misses a field goal in the second half, how that possibly could have changed some things. And yet the defense allowed Illinois to win this game. And uh, that's what they're going to have to have. And I think the encouraging thing, Marley, overall about this defense is that they are pretty young. You know, when you think and you look at this, yeah, okay, you're going to lose Isaiah Gay and you're going to lose Owen Carney and Tony Adams out of this. But, you know, you bring back uh, Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph and Sidney Brown and, you know, Tariq Barnes and Tolson and, and Devin Witherspoon, you know, like you've got a really, really good nucleus around here and, and Calvin Harden there as well, you know? And so I feel like uh, Ryan Walters deserves so much credit for what he's been able to do since that Virginia game. And for as much as we thought Illinois defense was going to be the reason that they lost Illinois defense is now a huge reason why they're winning games. I agree. And like you said, a huge Testament to Ryan Walters and being able to, form this defense to, you know, cater to his players, which we didn't see in the Lovey Smith era, but um, I think he's doing a great, great job. So, um, Brett, where do you think Illinois goes from here? Um, in my eyes, I see this as a real turning point for them in the season, potentially. You know, they've tasted this victory, um, you know, coming off of a couple tough losses. And I, I don't want to jinx it, but I almost think Illinois – could still get to five or six wins this year. If they beat Rutgers, if they beat Minnesota and Northwestern, which I see as the three most winnable games left in in their schedule, I don't think anybody had guessed Illinois was going to beat Penn State on the road, but here they are walking away with the win. So I, I, I think the future the future is still bright. And you know me, I'm I'm the optimist here. Mm-hmm. Um I never wanna I, I never wanted to, to give up on this team, but um where where do you see, you know, the ceiling for this team, Brett? I think it changes your mindset significantly for their potential and what they've shown that they can do. And look, we've been in the same mindset of this team could have a, a reason to give you some hope and at the beginning of the year. You know, we we had said, I think this could be a bowl team. And, well, I think that's pretty far at this point to get to. Um, I think getting to four or five is reasonable. 
And we've raised the bar of what this team can be and what it's shown that it can do. And that's encouraging for Alana Nation and encouraging for Brett Bielema as he tries to sell the program to recruits and his assistants and and for the players too. And you feel good for the players for everything they've been through this season. You know, I would, if, if we're talking about how this changes the outlook, I, I think five is where I would probably put them at now. I think going on the road and winning at Minnesota is going to be really, really tough. Uh, I think they can beat Rutgers and I think they probably should. And I think they could beat Northwestern, although that Northwestern game always is tough for Illinois. We saw it in 2019 when Illinois already had a bowl game locked up, had a chance to improve its bowl status potentially. Northwestern was playing for nothing but pride, and they come in here and, and beat Illinois in an absolute just smackdown. So that Northwestern game has always been tough for Illinois. I know the Wildcats are not good this year. I think if Illinois gets to five, it should feel really, really good about their season and what they were able to do and overcome. And yet it makes that Purdue and Maryland game that much harder to to take, you know, and it shows that you can't give up on those games, you know, and it just a fine line of um, the margin of error being so slim for a team like Illinois, you know, where, Hey, that could have been, that could have, that could be the difference in you getting all those extra practices in December and playing in a bowl game or not, you know, and uh, I think for a team like this, all those extra practices could have really been beneficial for a lot of those young guys as they try and figure out their roster and, and how they want to go forward here. Um, but yeah, it's technically not out of the equation. You know, they've, they've still got a couple more games that they can lose and um, you know, before that is the case. And so you never know. Uh, that's why they play the games. That's like, we, like what we said. And so um, I, I would say if they can get to four, they're going to feel okay. Five would feel uh, good and six would obviously feel great to end the way, but that would mean they have to win three out of four. You know, you only, you only could lose once. And uh, I think those, the chances that happen are, are pretty slim, but the chance is still there. So you never know Mar. Yeah, that you're absolutely right. And even thinking back to the UTSA loss, I mean, they're now in the top 25 for the first time in program history. So I think, you know, maybe early in the season, we would have looked at that. I mean, we did look at that like, oh, gosh, what is this Illinois team doing? But yeah. all right, maybe we, UTSA deserved a little bit more credit and being a good team. And, um, you know, that's just another dent there on or another tally, I guess, in Illinois' L column. But, hey, they got another one um, in the win column this weekend. Yeah, Hence and the Roadrunners are 8-0, and there's no, there's no shame in that. I don't think that's a bad loss. You know, I think when we watched that game, everyone said, man, that's a really, really good team. And they're going to have a chance to compete for a conference title. And, and that's right where they are. The ones that hang up for me is, you know, you had a chance. You were right there against Maryland and Purdue in the yeah. fourth quarter with Leeds. And I guess not Purdue, but, you know, you're, you're right there in the fourth quarter with Maryland and a, and a chance to uh, win the game with a lead. And you let that one get away, you know, so even if you just win one of those two and you're already at four wins, my, how you feel different about where you're at now, you know? Yeah. And if you're just looking at, I guess the probability or, you know, Illinois track record of fourth, you know, being down in the fourth quarter, being up in the fourth quarter, whatever it may be, this was not going to be a winnable game for them um, in overtime, but they did it against all odds um, and are coming back to Champaign with a dub. Brett, any final thoughts before we wrap up here on the three and one podcast? No, I think it's been good. Um, you know, we wanted to get this out yesterday, but it's kind of given me a little bit more chance to comprehend and think about what all happened. And, you know, if, if you're still hanging around to this point in the podcast and still listening around, then, you know, I, I hope it 
helps just contextualize a little bit of, of what it was because it was an all-time game for Illinois. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just happened so quick that it just takes a moment to reflect on it and be like, what, what did we just see? What did we just witness? <laughs> what you witnessed was the longest game in college football history. And while that may be broken at some point in the future, I have a feeling this one's probably going to last for a little while. So pretty cool. And you were there to see it all. Um, we have more coverage on our website. If you missed any of our highlights or Brett's postgame story, you can watch that on WCI.com. We also break it down with our analyst, Robert Rosenthal, from IlliniBoard.com. He also made the trip to Penn State along with Brett, um, and they were there to recap the game moments after um, kind of an initial reaction. So you can watch that on our website as well. Um, but that'll do it for us here on the 3-in-1 Podcast. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening.